0: Welcome to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon has a passion for Scripture that will motivate and challenge you to immerse yourself in God's Word and apply His message to your everyday life. Visit SeekingTruth.net to learn more about bringing Seeking Truth to your parish or to become an online learner. Today it's part one of the book of Genesis, chapters 45-47. through And now, Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Seeking Truth in our discussion tonight of Genesis chapter 45, 46, and 47. So a little review. Last week, we were going from feast to famine, and Joseph was the only one in all the world who could interpret Pharaoh's dream: Seven years of abundance followed by seven years of Famine. And they're in the famine portion tonight and food is running out for Jacob and his sons and they must make that long trek from Cana, 250 miles plus south. To Egypt and 10 of them go. 10 of Joseph's brothers go down to buy grain in Egypt. Benjamin, some number 12, was chosen to stay behind and care for his father. Jacob didn't send Benjamin. He was afraid. He was fearful that harm would come to him like it had come to Joseph. So in Egypt, Joseph was it. Joseph was the way to life because only Joseph controlled the food distribution. So Joseph had bread for the life of the entire world at the time. All must come through Joseph to access Pharaoh. All must come to Joseph for any food. Joseph was governor, viceroy over all the land. He it was who sold wheat to all the people. He had total control of all the wheat. And Joseph's brothers came and they bowed themselves down to him with their faces on the ground. And it reminded him of all that flood of dreams that he had as a child. The sheaves. Gathering around him and bowing themselves down. And the dream, the more cosmic dream, the sun, the moon, the stars, all bowing down to Joseph. And his father Jacob said, That's not going to happen. Your mom and I aren't bowing down to you. But Jacob, regardless, kept those dreams in his heart and in his mind, he tucked them away something about Joseph. So when these brothers come and bow down, it's deja vu for Joseph. And I love this Toussaint painting because it's almost as he's cruciform on the cross. He's a type of Christ. Christ will be the anti-type, even greater than Joseph. But they're all bowing down to him. He's Lord of all Egypt. And Joseph remembered those dreams. He remembered His brothers, he remembered what they had done to him. And he said, you spies, you have come to see the weakness of the land of Egypt. And they denied, no, 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 we're not spies. But Joseph said, you are spies. And he said, by this you will be tested. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not go from this place unless your youngest brother comes here. And he decides he will imprison one of them and release the others. But he chooses himself, Simeon. And Joseph understands them. He can understand Hebrew, but they don't know that. They think he can only speak Egyptian. He can hear their whole conversation. And he hears what they're saying, and many times we saw last week him weeping, these tears, as he remembers these memories and the hurt he, that was imposed on him, the wrongness, the transgression. When the men got back home, they opened up their bundles and remember the money. The bundles of money were in every sack. And they were dismayed. And you'll see this word again tonight, dismayed. Jacob, their father, said to them, You bereave me of my children. Joseph's no more. Now Simeon's no more. And now you want to take Benjamin. Benomi, all this has come to me. And he cannot take the sorrow. The grain is continuing to run lower and lower. They're running out. They've almost run out. They need to go back to Egypt again for more grain and Reuben promises I'll watch over Benjamin dad I will personally take charge of him if if I don't bring Benjamin back alive you may slay my two sons Jacob's not interested no he will not release Benjamin then Judah later comes and and says the man told us the visory told us unless we bring our brother we won't see him face to face. So, Israel, Jacob, must once again wrestle with God. He must prevail against men and God and struggle and struggle. And it takes him some time until he surrenders once more as an old man. Father Israel finally relents, he finally surrenders, but he has an idea that we will send gifts to appease this man, this viceroy of Egypt. This is reminiscent of when he sent gifts ahead, when he was meeting with his own brother for forgiveness and he sent those waves of gifts in front of him to Esau seeking mercy. Now Jacob also sent double the money back just in case and the brothers took the presents, they took the double money and they took Benjamin and they arose and they went to Egypt. Simeon who had been imprisoned is released He is set free. He's given back to them. They present the gifts to Joseph, and they bow down to the ground. They make obeisance to Joseph. Joseph lifted up his eyes. He saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and he said, Is this your younger brother of whom you spoke to me? God be gracious to you, my son. Joseph made haste. His heart was yearning for his brother Benjamin. He sought a private place where he could just go and and weep. He entered a chamber and wept there he comes out, composes himself, and he's ready to serve a meal to his brothers. The brothers are amazed. They're in the house of the governor of Egypt, and they're feasting in his home. Portions are taken from Joseph's own table and given to the brothers. In fact, the youngest brother, Benjamin, gets five times the food portion, and they can't believe it. They're coming from a famine. They're starving. They've lost weight. They're hungry, and they're having a feast in the the, the the home of the Viceroy. Joseph was very emotional during this entire time. You can imagine him filtering through the old memories, the hurt, the pain, the betrayal, and he would weep frequently like any good man, right? Right guys? Yes, real men cry. And Joseph remembered being at the bottom of that dark dank pit and left for dead and crying out to his brothers and they're laughing and eating a meal. And Joseph could remember being sold to the Ishmaelites, his brothers totally betraying him. And when that supper had ended, it was time to leave. And each man's money was secretly, at the order of Joseph, was secretly placed back in the mouth of his sack. And Joseph's own silver cup was placed in the mouth of young Benjamin's sack. And Joseph ordered his men to go follow and overtake them. Joseph's men followed after the brothers and did overtake them. They found the money in each bag. And the final bag they opened... Benjamin's, they found Joseph's silver cup. The brothers had all sworn they had not taken it. Search us, put us to death. Any, if you find that silver cup in any of our bags, put that one to death. And they found it in Benjamin's bag. The silver cup has been found. The steward says, why have you returned evil for good? Why have you stolen this silver cup? Is it not from this that my Lord drinks and by this that he divines? You have done wrong in doing so. And Benjamin was taken away. And you can imagine their hearts and their fear. The brothers rent their clothes. They tear their garments. Every man loads his donkey and they return to the city. Judah is called upon by Joseph to offer a confession. What has happened? And Judah gave, last week at the end, the most eloquent confession. Beautiful. But Judah did not give a full confession. As you remember, one little detail he forgot. He neglected to tell the story of what he and his brothers had done to Joseph. Now, while Judah did not give a full confession about what they had done to Joseph, Joseph did depict an authentic change of heart in his brother Judah right he really really had changed the best thing Judah said in that confession to Joseph's ear I can imagine would be now therefore let me your servant Judah I pray you remain here instead of Benjamin. He's offering his life instead of his little brother Benjamin's. Let me remain as a slave to my Lord and let the lad, Benjamin, go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father if the lad is not with me? So Benjamin has offered to lay down his life for another. This is a big change and Jesus says this is the greatest love there is. In his own words, greater love has this than no man to lay down his life for his friends. So Judah had offered to do that and uh, another son of Judah will lay down his life in the first century to come. Now, what is Joseph going to do at this point in the story? We had a real cliffhanger when you left last night. We really didn't know. We didn't know how this was gonna all play out. Joseph couldn't control himself. Before all those who stood by him, and he cried out, make everyone go out away from me. So he clears the whole room, all the Egyptian staff, guards, everyone out except my brothers. So no one stayed with Joseph. And when Joseph then made himself known to his brothers, in that private chamber, in that moment, he reveals himself. And you can just imagine what that must have been like. You can put yourself in that scene in prayer. He knew their sins. He's the one who was sinned against. He knows every single thing they did. He knows their sins. They are fully known by Joseph. And that had to feel to be fully known, to be found out. And yet he loved them despite all that, despite their sins, despite all he knew. He loved them. He welcomed them. He showered them with mercy. This is an incredible feeling. It's what Paul says is going to happen in the end. In, in 1 Corinthians 13, now we see as a reflection in the mirror. But then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, but then... I will know fully, even as I am fully known. So on that day, when we stand before the Lord, the judge, the the top dog, you know, and he fully knows us, he knows everything we've ever done, and he still loves us and extends that incredible mercy that just sees through us, you know? Just think what that would feel like, the weight of that. He fully knew his brothers, despite all their foibles, all their flaws, all their sin, and He loves them. Faith, hope, and love, says Paul, abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Love is eternal because love is God. God is love. And so love's the greatest. That's what we're going back to. That's what the beatific vision is it's love, it's a communion of love between the Trinity. And Joseph wept out loud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And this guy is wailing by this point. He is crying loud. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Can finally have his true identity be known. I am Joseph, that great I am. Is my father still alive? It's his first question. He loves his dad. His dad loves him. Is my father still living? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. Dismayed, not overjoyed, not out of their mind, crazy in love with him. They're dismayed. I looked up the word dismayed. It's a verb. Someone is caused to feel consternation and distress. Synonyms like appalled, horrified, shocked, shook up, frightened. They are dismayed. They've been found out. They've been had. They've been exposed. But his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near me, I pray you. And they came near this tenderness. He's extending more mercy. And he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you, whom you sold into Egypt. And now, don't be distressed, don't be angry with yourselves, because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life." Can you imagine this type of mercy, that he can see God's plan, that he can see bigger than the hurt, than the pain? We know, says St. Paul, that in everything, God works for good with those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Joseph goes on, the famine has been in the land for these two years. So they're only two years in. And there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. Why do they need a remnant? Because they're the seed of Abraham and they're waiting for a seed, one from Genesis 3.15, they're waiting for a seed. They're, they've been promised that Abraham's children will be a worldwide blessing, and he will have children as numerous as all the stars in the sky and as all the sands of the seashore. But there will be one seed that has a particular, a special promise. And that's the seed, the offspring of Genesis 3.15, the first good news, the Proto-Evangelium. One seed God promised that would crush the head of Satan, the serpent. God sent Joseph before the other 11 sons of Israel to preserve them, a remnant, so that seed could stay alive. And to keep alive many survivors, one which will be the savior of the world. That one seed. Pharaoh titled Joseph. It is not you who sent me here, but God. And God has made me, Joseph, a father to Pharaoh. What? Joseph is a father to Pharaoh? The greatest in all the world? Joseph is, claims to be a father to Pharaoh. And the lord of all Pharaoh's house. And the ruler over all Pharaoh's land of Egypt. Wow. Wow. Well, Joseph was a spiritual father to Pharaoh. Joseph's God is way more powerful than any of Pharaoh's little G gods. Joseph's God has blessed Joseph with prosperity. Everything Joseph touches turns to gold. Pharaoh needs Joseph. Jesus, too, was a spiritual father. Jesus says to Philip, I've been with you all these years. I've been with you all this time, and you still don't know who I am. If you've seen me, Philip, you've seen the father. We're one and the same. Joseph is the authority and a type of father over the people and even over Pharaoh. Joseph judges and gets who will get the bread of life and who will live and who will die. Jesus too is a type of father, the Lord of all and judge over all the world. John 5 tells us that the father judges no one but has given all judgment to the son. Did you know that? The Father judges no one. He's given all judgment to the Son. Just like Joseph. That all may honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father, the Father who sent him. And Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Just like Joseph. Jesus is the judge. Jesus will decide who gets life, who gets death. Back to Genesis 45. Joseph says, make haste and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord over all Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen. Well, that's the most fertile crescent in the area, the Delta, the Goshen, land of Goshen. You will be near me, you and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. And there I will provide for you. And there are yet five years of famine to come. Lest you and your household and all that you have come into poverty. And now your eyes see and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father of all my splendor in Egypt and of all that you have seen. Make haste and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and he wept and Benjamin wept upon his neck. This is a brotherly embrace, an embrace of love Joseph kissed all his brothers, even those who had wronged him. Benjamin was out of that story. But Joseph kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. Now, remember the brotherly forgiveness that had to go on by their father and his brother Esau. Jacob and Esau had to come to forgiveness as well in Genesis 33. Jacob knew forgiveness from his brother Esau. Now his sons will also know forgiveness from their brother Joseph. Jacob ditched Esau after he got the pardon. Remember that? He said, I'll catch up with you, and he went the other direction. Will his sons do the same, Joseph's brothers? Now, the true reveal, the true self-reveal of Joseph, think about this. Jesus, the anti-type, the greater type of Joseph, risen Jesus will also have a true self-reveal. His glorified resurrected body, right? In scripture, he appears many times. People don't recognize him often. His glorified body is so different. He has to reveal himself to them. At least two women are named, 10 disciples, the two men walking to Emmaus, James, and more than 500 people, Paul records in the Corinthians. At least 515 people see him, just as no one stayed With him, when Joseph made himself known to his brothers, Jesus, the new Joseph, also had a private self-reveal to his own brothers. It would have been the night in the upper room, Easter Sunday, a private self-reveal when Jesus will enter through locked doors on Easter Sunday evening. Peace be with you. To the 10 of the 12 apostles that were present, that fullness, that new priesthood present there in John 20. Were these ten as dismayed at Jesus's presence as Joseph's brothers were? Only one had stayed at the cross, only John. They had all ran off. The leader of the band, Peter, had denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. They, they uh, have also betrayed Jesus. They are in need of forgiveness from Jesus. They have transgressed against Jesus. Peter said, I don't even man on the third time. I don't even know the man. Jesus came and stood among them with no one else around in this private self-revelation. And Jesus said again, peace be with you. And he breathed the Holy Spirit onto them. Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I now send you. And when he had said this, Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, these guys had not even apologized yet to Jesus. They they hadn't even made it right with him. He's extending peace and grace and mercy and breathing on them the Holy Spirit and giving them the power to forgive sin. Jesus has a huge measure for mercy. He forgives them and gives them the power to forgive sin even before they had even said they were sorry. So they hadn't even apologized to Joseph as well when Joseph was already forgiving them. What kind of mercy is that? That's divine mercy. What did Jacob pray for? What was Jacob's prayer? May God Almighty grant you mercy before the man. Jacob's prayer was absolutely answered. Joseph used a big measure of mercy with his brothers. And I'm asking you, what is your measure of mercy for others who have wronged you? I got, these are my measuring cups. The the biggest one, you know, are you a big, do you forgive readily? Do you have a lot of mercy and you just freely forgive? Or are you like a little tiny eighth of a teaspoon forgiver you know which measure do you use when you forgive others because the measure that you use for others is the same measure that God will use in forgiving you it says that in scripture how stingy are you with forgiveness hmm In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he seized, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, like John taught his disciples. And Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our Father, not my Father. Our Father, we're brothers, we're brothers. We have the same Father, hallowed, praised be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, not mine, yours, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Just worry about today, the here and now. Give us this day our daily bread. Don't get greedy. The manna only came down once a day. Our physical bread for our earthly temples is important, but also our spiritual bread for our eternal temples, the Eucharist. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Let's go back to this line. And forgive us our trespasses. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) As we forgive those who trespass against us. What's your measure of mercy? As we forgive those who walk on us transgress against us as we forgive those who trespass against us. How stingy are you with your forgiveness? Why do you pray the Lord's Prayer if you have absolutely no intention of forgiving another person in your life? Right? Why do you say that at Mass when you go out loud? Is it authentic? If you are so stingy, you will never forgive that person as long as you live for what they did to you. It was unjust, it was unfair. I was wronged, I was hurt, I was betrayed, whatever it is. The Lord's Prayer ends like this in Matthew's Gospel. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Whoa, that's hefty. Forgiving those who trespass against us is one of the hardest things we're asked to do in this world. Jesus knew it, too, because he uses some of his very last breath to tell us, to teach us. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. His final breath is spent on forgiveness. It's hard. One time, Peter came up to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Peter thought he was doing really good. That was a big measure of mercy. Seven. The perfect number, right? And Jesus said, I don't say to you seven times, but 70 times seven times. What? That's 490. That's a huge measure of forgiveness. Forgiving those who trespass against us. Jesus is really big on forgiving. Jesus is also really big on repenting. You got to repent. He's big on... On the person at fault going to repent, to confess, and to ask for forgiveness. Repent, it's a verb. It means to feel and express sincere regret, remorse, or sorrow about one's wrongdoing or sin. Take heed to yourselves if your brother sins. Rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he repents, forgive him. you got to. If he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive him. And the apostles said to the Lord, Oh, increase our faith. This is hard. If someone confesses or repents to you, what should you do? Forgive. What if they don't apologize? Forgive. But what if the trespass was directed directly against you? What if you didn't even know they did this and they come to you with a confession? Somebody vomits their confession personally against you. It affects you. Okay? Think of this situation. You've all had this in your life before probably. After vomiting, they feel so much better. Their spiritual nausea has ended. But now you are the one covered with their vomit. And you've got to get cleaned up. You've got to get cleaned up. The call is for you now to forgive. You were doing just fine spiritually. You had it all together. You were, you, know, you were so great until some injustice came upon you. Now you're the one who's called on to forgive and now you are the one found in the serious sin of unforgiveness. You gotta get rid of it. The weight of unforgiveness is like carrying a grand piano around on your back. It only hurts you and it's hard. But Joseph showed us how. And Jesus, the new Joseph, the new son of Judah, the new son of Israel is the anti-type. He's even greater than Joseph. He even does it better. Jesus showed us how to do this. That was part one of the book of Genesis, chapters 45 through 47, on Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. To learn more about Seeking Truth Bible studies, visit seekingtruth.net. Tune in next time for more Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran.